some diehards that are clinging to that, but I feel like that's like died for the rest of us. We've realized that it's not all that great. I'm ch- joking if you love that. You, uh, you do you. Uh, so we've come out of this series called The Gospel. If you've missed it, go and watch it, okay? Share it with friends. Go and watch it. It is formative for us as a church in where we are going. We are walking into a series called The Path. This series will be foundational for our year here going forward. But I want to tell you a story. I, uh, Emily and I were evangelized to a couple Saturdays ago. Interesting, because we were just coming out of this series called The Gospel, talked about the gospel is good news. Like, you should go tell people about the good news, right? Well, we were evangelized to at a wedding. We were sitting down, eating our food, minding our own business. No, just kidding. We were being sociable. We were saying hi, talking to everybody. And this couple sat down across from us. And uh, this couple, we found out later, uh, she is a bodybuilder. And you could have recognized that from her massive shoulders, like it would make any guy in here jealous to have shoulders like that. But they sat down across from us, and we were just talking. Like, they were great people. They were approachable. We were talking. Pretty soon, it turned to what we do in our lives, and we quickly got off the pastor thing, and they started talking to us about bodybuilding, fitness, exercise, diet, and it was a great conversation. They weren't awkward. They were awesome people. It was a fun conversation to be a part of. And it was inspiring. We had people across from us that were talking about things they were passionate about, things they were devoting their life to, things that they were actually living out in their life. Things that were, they were de- dedicating their extra time, their finances to, their money to. Like It was all in on the fitness thing. And it was inspiring. Like Emily and I walked away from that and we're like, man, we've been wanting to get in shape. Like this just fuels the fire to want to get more in shape. We've been, t- we've been thinking about our diet and, and they gave us all sorts of information about how to tweak a diet and change it and what to go after and what not to go after. And it was really great. They were knowledgeable. It was awesome. And guess what? We walked away from that and we started to make changes this week. In fitness, and diet, all from one conversation. So Jamie, why are you bringing this up? Why are you, like, we don't care about your fitness journey. Maybe you do. You should, hopefully. Support me, pray for me. I bring this up because I realized, like, later on that week, I was evangelized to. They told me the good news about what they believed was good news in their life and what they were dedicating their life to. And I thought, now shouldn't that be how every encounter with us goes? Like say you roll up to a wedding and you're at the reception, you're eating, and people start to get in conversation and you start to dialogue and you start to talk about life. Shouldn't this be how everybody experiences you and I? 
about Jesus, that it's just a natural part of our life that we've dedicated our lives to, that we've given ourselves to. We're approachable, we're normal, (laughs) we're cool people. And it just flows out of conversation so that those that we're engaged in conversation with walk away and that week start to be inspired to change something in their life. This is my hope and my prayer for us. For us, as we go out into the world, that this would be the experience that people have with us. Amen? Amen. We ain't even to the message yet. That was just a side note. So turn with me to uh, John 6. This is a three-part series. I don't know why my voice is cracking. This is a three-part series. Uh, It begins this week. It will end on our kickoff Sunday, which is the 26th. On our kickoff Sunday, we are moving our church service back a half an hour. So you show up at 10, cool, you just get to hang out and drink coffee. It starts at 10.30, and then after the service, we're having a food truck, we're having inflatables, face paint, snow cones, anything you could ever dream of. We'll be out there, and we will have some fun together. But the series is called The Path. And I want to begin with this story. We've covered it before, but I want to bring us back and remind us of this story. I'll start to read the story. It's Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, if you want to do extra work this week, this story, massive echoes of the Genesis story, of the Exodus story. So, Jesus is making a statement with this story, and it goes all the way back to the Exodus story. You'll notice, coming up, you have Jesus walking on water. All these things are echoes of the Exodus story, showing people that he is the Messiah, he is the Deliverer, he's fulfilling all of these scriptures in the Old Testament. So, that is homework You can go study that more if you want. But we'll get reading in chapter 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples, the Jewish Passover was near. When he looked up, he saw a great crowd gathering. Now, put yourself in the story. Pick a person, a people in the story that you would resonate with. So maybe you're the crowd, or maybe you are the disciples. Or maybe you are the boy in the story. As we walk through this story, place yourself in the story. Like, get it. Let it sink in what it's like to be there. You hear about this guy named Jesus who is walking around town doing all sorts of miracles, healing the sick, performing, like preaching, and people's lives are being changed. 
And they get to this mountainside, and Jesus walks up on this mountainside, and they say this was like a natural amphitheater. And it says 5,000 people, but they didn't really count the women and children in that day. So in reality, there was probably eight to 10,000 people gathered in this natural amphitheater that was the mountain, all to see what was going to happen next. Like all to get a glimpse of what Jesus was going to do in their midst. So the great crowd is sitting there waiting for Jesus to do something. Waiting for him to teach. Waiting for them to be a part of the next thing that Jesus was going to do. And he said to Philip, hey, there's a lot of people here. It's getting close to lunchtime. Where are we going to buy food to feed all these people? Who's going to help? Who's going to be a part of helping? And I love this part because in the next verse, he asks this only to test them. <laughs> like, I love that, right? Jesus will ask you to do something to see what your response would be. To see, like, if you're going to take that step of faith or if you're going to be like, oh, no. Like, there's way too many people here. The grocery stores are all closed. Jesus, I don't know what to do. He goes, Philip, who's going to help? We got a lot of people here. They need to be fed. Who is going to help? And what does Philip answer? Jesus, I don't know if you know this. But it's going to take a lot of money to feed all these people, right? And you just can't go to Walmart and pick up enough food to feed all these. Like, we got to plan this out, Jesus. Like, this is a ridiculous question to ask, right? Jesus goes, who's going to help? And Peter, or Philip, comes back with facts. It's too much. How on earth are we going to provide for this? And Jesus just continues to let that question hang out there. Who's going to help? And Jesus finds what most of us find after dinner when we've eaten the whole meal. And it comes time to clean up, right? Somebody, usually a parent, goes, hey, who's going to help clean the dishes? And everybody just scatters. Like Everybody's like, oh, I'm out. I got things to do. I don't want to help clean up. I don't want to help actually fulfill the task Uh, I'm, I'm out and Jesus is asking who is going to help and he's still asking that question today for us in the church who is going to help another of his disciples Andrew Simon Peter's brother spoke up Jesus Here's a boy. He's got five small barley loaves, two small fish. 
but that's not going to feed everybody, right? Like, like, just picture this story. I don't think they, like, saw this boy and picked him out of the crowd. I think this boy actually was sitting back in that crowd of 5,000 people and saw the need. Maybe he was, like, overhearing Jesus ask the disciples, hey, who's going to help? And he saw the disciples' reaction of, like, hey, We don't have enough money for this, Jesus. And then the small boy, with all of the courage that he could muster up, thought, I've got something. I've got something that that could help in this scenario. It's... I know it's not a lot. Like, I know it's not going to cover the whole need, but, but I've got something. And this boy sneaks his way up through the crowd, I imagine, leaving his parents behind. And this young boy walks up and goes, hey, this is what I've got. I've got some bread. It's like poor man's bread, but I've still got some bread. Can you use it? I love this boy and his attitude coming up. So many times the question is asked, well, who is going to help? Who is going to provide? And so many times people shrink back and all they can see are the problems and the barriers and the boundaries. And this boy comes up and goes, this is what I got. It ain't much, but here, maybe you could use it. got some bread I got some fish and I'm here because I love what Jesus is doing and I want to see what he's got in store for us like that's why my family brought me here and that's why I want to be here I'm excited I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing and I want to give this because maybe it'll help Jesus says, have the people sit down. You're about to see something really cool. There's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. Well, 5,000 men were there, so eight to 10,000 people. So just get the magnitude of what about, is about to go down. Jesus then looked at the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. When they all had enough, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that were left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, they filled 12 baskets with the pieces and five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten And after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who came into this world. And then one of my favorite parts of the story, Jesus ducked out and went to the mountain to be alone. Think of the roles that were played in the story. Who did you think yourself as in the story? Were you in the crowd?
Were you the disciples? Or were you the boy? Notice there were a lot more in the crowd than there was bringing what they had to help. Yeah, I'm going all in, church. Let's go. See, if you look at the story, there's kind of three main roles in this story. There's the crowd, right? They're the eight to 10,000 people that were there to be a part of what Jesus was doing. And then there was the committed. Those were the disciples. Those were the people that said, I'm in. I'm following Jesus. I'm part of what he's doing. I'm here. And then there was the core. And the core was this one little boy who brought everything he had to participate in the story of what Jesus was going to do that day. And before this last year, we were averaging about 400 people a Sunday. This was not this past March, but the previous March. And I thought things were going well. Like, I was excited. I was like, man, things are going well. We got momentum. We got a lot of people coming. This is awesome. Like, I can go brag to my pastor friends that we got 400 people coming. Like, it feels good to have that many people in here. It's awesome, right? I felt like we had momentum. I felt like we were going somewhere. And then March happened. And all of our lives turned upside down. All of our lives changed. And then we've been learning all throughout the past year and a half. Things are being like revealed to us about who we are, about our struggles, about, and things are being revealed in society and all these things. Like we've been learning a lot as a community, as a culture. Hopefully we've been growing through it, right? And I've been personally convicted as the pastor of this church that I don't think before all this took place, I don't feel like we did a great job of leading people to grow in their discipleship. I think we were mediocre at it, at best. And so really this last year, uh, like, Numbers are one thing, but we preach that sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to that, listen to it. And we preach that sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And you can gain a crowd of people, right? And that is awesome. That's great. More people that can hear the message of Jesus, the better. You can gain a crowd of people. But if the crowd is all you've got, it's empty. See, we need to be looking for the evidence of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Holy Spirit moving and working. 
generosity, evangelism, transformational community, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, all of it equals evidence of the Holy Spirit, evidence that we're giving our lives to Jesus, evidence that we're being aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. The crowd is great. But it's not the main thing. The crowd is great that Jesus looked out and saw eight to 10,000 people. Obviously, it didn't really impress him that much because he left right away and went to the mountain to be alone. He's like, forget this crowd. I'm not all about it. They're after unhealthy things. I'm going to go chill and be with my father. But you have the crowd on the outside. And the disciples were the committed. And then you have the boy that was the core in the middle. They kind of made the whole story work, right? Like, I think Jesus, interestingly enough, would have provided for the people without the boy, but he chose instead to use the boy and the gifts that the boy brought and the sacrifice and his willingness to show up and just give to bless the crowd. So the crowd is great. But it's the evidence of the Holy Spirit that we're after. And that's the edge for churches, isn't it? How how do you disciple people? How do you build community? And how do you not lose sight of being outward facing, going out of the church to get the crowd? Because why? Because it's the gospel, and people need to hear the gospel. It's the good news that you and I get to live out. So there's this conviction. We did a really good job of gaining the crowd. Not such a great job of equipping the core. And couple that with this last year, uh, a pastor friend of mine calls this uh, like the, the great shakeup in churches, right? Like this last year. Church has been funky with being online and, and all this other stuff that's going on in our world. It's been the great shakeup. There's people that have stopped engaging in church because they are truly struggling. Like through this last year and a half, it has been brutal for a lot of people and it's caused them to really struggle and really ask questions and really wonder and really doubt. It's also caused some people to leave and say, I'm going to go find another group of people, a church that's more like-minded as me. It's also for other people brought new people here. New people that this year has caused a lot of questions, a lot of doubts. Like those people that are really struggling, it's brought them here because of you all invited them and they get to experience Jesus here and be a part of what Jesus is doing. 
And so something I wanted to do this year is lead in more of an intentional way. Towards discipleship. Towards transformation. Towards for our city events. Because guys, I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing here. And in other churches throughout the city. I am so excited about the fruit of this last year that is going to come. So we've created something that we call the path. And we've changed the three words from crowd committed and core, core to a tender, door holder, and partner. And the question is, where do you fit in to the story that Jesus is putting together here? The mission, you can't read it up there. That's not great. But it's, uh, the mission is to lead people to be followers of Jesus. To lead people to be disciples that make other disciples. That is the mission of our church. Do you all know what the vision of our church is? I think all together we got it. <laughs> <clears throat> So there's the mission and the vision of our church. The mission is what every church should be doing. The vision is the unique call for each church in the place where God put them. So that is our mission and our vision. And then the next question is where do you fit in? And we've created these three spaces. So you can look at them and go, oh yeah. This is where I fit in. This is what I want to commit to. Or this is what I want to make a goal of mine. And so the first space is a tender. A tender is very simple. Commit to come and experience Jesus and community. No strings attached. Show up in person or online. And experience Jesus in community. Doesn't matter what you believe. Doesn't matter what you struggle with. The doors are open. And we pray that as you come and experience Jesus and the Holy Spirit working, that you will be transformed in your mind and your body. You will be renewed through his grace and mercy. Are you an attender? The next is door holder. We created this language a while ago, but it comes from Psalm 84.10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper, door holder in the house of my God than anywhere else. So is your spot to be a door holder? What is a door holder, you ask? I'm glad you asked. A door holder is somebody who goes, renew, renew is my home church. 
This is the church that I attend. This is the church that I keep coming back to. Renew is my home church. And you are committing to hold the door open for others to walk in and experience Jesus. The commitment is to give, is to serve, is to be a part of the community. It's to say yes to the vision of renew and be a part of it. To give to it, serve for it. And that's that's it for being a door holder. It's kind of our middle space. And then something new this year is maybe you want to commit to being a partner. Now, if you've been part of church before, this is the space that most churches call membership. And in a lot of churches, the membership is take three classes. At the end of it, you get a, you get a little certificate saying you're a member. And then uh, I don't know what happens after that. You vote on some things and, and all that stuff. But here, we want to make this a part of a more intentional discipleship process. So the bar is set intentionally a little higher. in our process, will look more like a discipleship process. This is a group of people who are committing to have the most ownership over the church's mission and vision. This is the group that will be committed to listening to Jesus on behalf of our church and helping us discern what it looks like for our church to follow him. The expectations or the things you will commit to as being a partner is to tithe, to serve, and commit to taking the steps to grow in your discipleship and to champion the ministries of the church as we go out and serve the community. It's to have the most ownership in our church. And here's the thing. None of these are better than the other. In fact, when you, if you sign up and say, I want to be a door holder, that's where I fit in. Or I really want to be a partner, that's where I fit in. It's actually committing yourself to serve the rest of the body. In a lot of churches, they're like, oh, members have privileges and all this stuff. Your privilege is that you get to be the least of these and serve the rest of the body and see what Jesus does. And just like in the story, none of those groups were better than the other, right? Like, like the boy who brought everything he had. And like, he's not better than the tens of, eight to 10,000 people that came, sacrificed their day to come to be a part of what Jesus was doing. It's not about, this is better than that. It's about, hey, we're all gathered around and we all have a role to play in the story of Jesus. And we all have a role to play in the mission and vision of what Jesus is calling us to. So the question 
the next steps. Where do you fit in this year? Are you an attender? Awesome. Be the best attender. Commit to coming and experiencing Jesus in community. Are you a door holder? Awesome. Be the best door holder. Open the doors for people. Volunteer in ministries. Give whatever Jesus is calling you to give. Are you a partner? Someone that Jesus is calling at this point in your life to take ownership of the mission and vision of the church and commit yourself to more of a discipleship process. Where do you fit in? Because we need all of you. Each of these areas are essential to the story that Jesus is leading us in. As the worship team comes up, sing the last song. There are sign-ups downstairs in the lounge, across from the coffee, if you want to get some more coffee. There's sign-ups downstairs to become either a door holder or a partner. And if you sign up to become one of those, we are going to have an informational meeting. So if you sign up on that page, you're only committing to learn more about what those things are. All right? You're not like signing, like, I'm in. You're just signing up to learn more about what they are. We have an informational meeting October 17th after church. We'll feed you. Scott's excited about that. To explain more what it means to be a door holder and what it means to be a partner. But I want to encourage you. Pray about this. Think about this. We have a sign-up today, but we're also going to have sign-ups the rest of the, the, the three weeks in this series. And the 26th, our kickoff Sunday being the final Sunday to sign up. So pray about it. And then commit to where Jesus is calling you to commit to. Whether that's being an attender, a door holder, or a partner. Amen? Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your story, the gospel story that we get to be a part of. And we thank you as the church that your plan was to empower the church with the Holy Spirit, with your spirit, so that we could be a reflection of who you are. And we could witness the kingdom of God here on earth, to be that thin place where heaven and earth touches. In your name we pray, amen.